You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 298. Today, we're talking about how to make difficult decisions. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 3 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here, and thank you so much for tuning in to another fantabulous episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. I am your host, James Wedmore, and guess what? Today, I have a co-host. Hey, 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 I'm Mel Abraham. He's back in the studio with me today. Thanks for being here. Hey, man, thanks for asking me. I'm re- or twisting my arm. Yeah, I, I uh, slid some money under the table there. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time. Mel is a, a regular here now on the Mind Your Business podcast. He's done several episodes and we have like a really cool episode that we put together for you. And I want to tell you what inspired this. I love to ask this question when it comes to creating content. We've shared, we have an episode on that a couple episodes back of just asking questions, putting it out there. What do my listeners need to hear? What is something that I can offer that will make a difference? And this morning, I got this pop. I don't know. That was a little pop. (laughs) I'm trying to make sound effects of this idea to talk about how to make a difficult decision in your business, because let's face it, they're unavoidable. It's inevitable. And I really do feel that your ability to make tough calls, difficult decisions and commit to those decisions is really the mark of a great leader and a great entrepreneur. So Uh, entrepreneurs are making decisions every day, every minute of every day, multiple times every day. And we're going to talk about things like the decision and fatigue and stuff. We're going to go through kind of our own different processes for how we make these tough calls. And the reason that this was really inspired is uh, because we are days away from our biggest live event ever. 600 people. It's uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that go into an event like this. There's several moving parts. We developed an entire organizational chart and an entire team. And not only do I have to make some big decisions, but my team has to make some big decisions. And so they've had to make some tough calls on their own. Some of which I actually like was really impressed. Like, wow, that was a really tough call. And in my opinion, you made the right decision. And I just figured this would be such a great episode well, I, to talk about. I think that it, it's really interesting because not only entrepreneurs, but just in life alone. I mean, everything, yeah. everything that from mundane to really important, this is like, I mean, how many people stand in line and get to the front of the line at a Starbucks gone? Uh, and they sit there quietly and go, how many times have you know. ordered something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And you can see like a great entrepreneur just like this. This is what we're doing. Yeah. And so we want to talk about that today. And I think the first thing is if, if something that's a drawing you to this episode is like, yes, I have a difficult decision to make. Let's start at a really fun question and angle I wanted to pose to all of you out there in podcast land. What makes... A decision difficult. What makes a decision easy and what differentiates that from a difficult decision? And that's something to really ponder and consider if you're currently going through an experience where you have to make a difficult decision. What is it about this decision Mm -hmm. 
that has made it difficult for you. Unlike some decisions, which are really easy. Like, do you want dessert? Uh, yeah, right. Easy decision. It's my birthday, right? Um, so some decisions very seem very easy. What causes other decisions to become very, very difficult? So we came up with a list. And the first one is this idea that the stakes are high. And what that really means is that we tend to believe that there's a massive consequence. Yeah. Like if I choose wrong or even choosing one of the two options, there's a consequence. Which consequence is going to be a bigger consequence? What do I have to sacrifice here? Who's getting negatively impacted? That tends to be a big one. And and, and I think that in many, many cases, it's a lot like fear. It's much yeah. bigger yeah. in our own mind, in our own heart than it is in reality. Mm-hmm. And so we make the, the consequences so great that it becomes burdensome and we fail to make the, the decision which is a decision in itself, which is a whole nother yeah. thing to, to think about. But but the bottom line is that we expand and, and grow the consequence beyond where it really needs to be. And so a great way to counteract that, if that's what maybe you're doing, is to ask yourself, if I choose this, what is the worst that can happen? I like to look at these fears of the unknown as like the darkness. And when you take a moment and shine the consciousness, your consciousness like a flashlight into that unknown, Sometimes, a lot of the times, we find out it's like, that's not that bad. And so, here it might be something to say, what is, if I choose A or if I choose B, what is the worst that can happen? You know, I wrote about this in in my book, this story about a friend of mine when I was trying to make a decision. He says, let me just give you a scenario. He said, and I'm I'm not a baseball player. I tried it once. I got hit in the head and I said, (laughs) well, if they're hitting me, I'm going to hit back. It's got nothing to do with decision. But he said, you're a baseball player. And what would you do? You're on first base. Mm -hmm. And what would you do if you knew that by trying to steal second base, if you got thrown out, you'd be allowed to go back to first? Mm. Would you try to steal second mm-hmm. base? Yeah. And he looked at me, he says, most of the decisions, and this decision's one of them, the consequence is not so great that it's fatal. And so the worst case is that I get back up to bat and I get back on first base. Well, and this brings us into the second one on the list, which is this idea that we presuppose that it's permanent, that this decision, I mean, the Latin or the, yeah, I think it's a Latin root of the word side, homicide, suicide, pesticide is to kill off. Yeah. And like you can't bring back to life. And, you know, it's a fascinating thing is to make a decision is the noun form of a verb. And a lot of times when we make something a verb, a noun, and we feel like it can't be undone, I can't undecision it because the decision has been made. But every moment when you make a decision, you are choosing to reinforce that decision. And the example with stealing second is if you could go back to first, you can undo that. And this is the next thing to look at is, is this permanent? Is the decision permanent? Are the consequences permanent? And can it be undone? Undone. Yeah, absolutely. Big thing that's going to always make make you feel like a decision is more difficult than it really is, is the meaning or interpretation we're putting on it, on the experience around it, or what will happen based on a certain decision, the whatever outcome you choose. And so another question to look at is, what am I making this mean? What is the interpretation? What am I choosing to make this mean? And this will come more into play as we go through some examples. I'm going to share with you and Mel's going to share some examples with you of some tough calls that we've both had to make in our lives and in our business. Here's another one though. One of the things that will make a decision feel more difficult 
is when we're operating from the belief that there is a right decision and a wrong one. It's like that game show of like door number one or door number two. Door number one has like a million dollars and door number two is like a pit with alligators with laser beams on them, right? Well, in that case, there might be a right or wrong. In that case, there is door number one would be the right answer. And we tend to approach, and we're going to talk more about this in this episode, decisions A or B as if one of those is right and one of those is wrong. And I can't, we're going to get into some specifics of this. I cannot tell you how many questions I get asked by clients and students and podcast listeners of every level in their business that have made an is this, what's the right one, this one or this one? And I kind of sit there and chuckle and I say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's a piece of it is sometimes there's this lack of significance to the app. You know, it's like you think going left or right is going to make a difference, right? And it's really not. And then the other thing is that even considering that one of those could be wrong, is a big belief to put on it. Because I've seen people say, what's the right way to do things? A membership or a course? Or what's the right way to launch this way or that way? And I'm like, well, I've seen people choose both and both be wildly successful. Is it really a wrong way to do it? Your whole business has been built on, I've heard you say it over and over again, when people are zigging, I'm zagging. Yes. You know, you, you've done things in a way that fit you. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a whole lot of commentators and folks out there that would look at and go, what the heck's Jim's yeah. doing? Yeah. I mean, th- this is not the way it's done. Well, who's to say that's the way it's done? I remember getting an article published in a Charles Schwab magazine and, and someone asked, how did you get the article in there? I said, I opened to the front cover <laughs> and that was the editor and the phone number and I called the editor and I mm-hmm. had a comment and they said, that's not the way it's done. I said, who says that's not the right. way it's done? Totally. Well- the whole zigging when everyone's zagging. Have you heard me talk about the whole meatloaf analogy before? No. Okay. The meatloaf analogy, I'll share the shirt version because I think I've shared it on the podcast before is uh, there's a mom and she's cooking this family recipe, this famous family meatloaf recipe. The daughter eats it and she loves it, but she notices something. She notices that before the mom puts the meatloaf in the oven, she cuts the ends of the meatloaf off to put it in the oven. And the, the daughter who loves this meatloaf is says, Mommy, why, why do you cut the ends off? And it, it must be to lock in the flavor or to bring in the airflow through it to cause more delicious something to be unlocked. I, you know, something that enhances the yeah. flavor or yeah. cooks it faster or something. And she says, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know. Let me let me call your aunt, my sister, my older sister, because she's the one who taught it to me and calls the, and she doesn't know the answer either. She's like, hey, sister, why do we cut the ends off? She's like, oh, well, that's the way mom did it. Well, they call up mom <laughs> and they say, why do we cut it off? Is it, you know, is it for this reason or that reason? They said, mom goes, I don't know. That's how my mom did it. And of course, 99-year-old grandma, you know, maybe this is a metaphor story. Maybe this really happened, but it's a great metaphor. 99-year-old grandma's still alive. And they go, grandma, grandma, why? We got to know. Why do you cut the meatloaf, the ends of the meatloaf off? And grandma just replies, go, oh, the oven was too small. No. (laughs) (laughs) Man. And how much of the decisions we make are based on like, well, I saw saw Mel do it. Right. I saw James do it. I don't know why he did it, but maybe his oven was too small. I think one of the biggest doomsday elements to a business, to, to people in finance or any of that stuff, is to go, that's the way it's always been done. 
yeah. and not challenge it, to, mm-hmm. to be afraid to say, wait a second, why not ask a different question? Why not make a different decision just because it's always been done that way, just because we cut the ends off for, for generations? Right. Well, there's another metaphor around that too, which is pretty crazy. Maybe you've heard this one before, which is if you look at a space spaceship, space shuttle that, that goes to the moon or goes to outer space, the space shuttle is the size that it is. Have you heard this before? No. It's the size and the width that it is because it has to be traveled to Cape Canaveral by train track. So it has to fit the width of the train because it has to go through tunnels and all that type of stuff. So it's a certain width, but the width of train tracks dates all the way back to like the width of Roman carriages. No way. So we are engineering modern day rocket ships based on decisions that were made in Roman times. Like really crazy (laughs) gets you thinking. It always invites like thinking outside of the box and making decisions out of the box. And so what we're also going to invite in this episode is making decisions based on values, based on universal principles, how to tap into a little bit of that intuition, trusting your gut and how to really back those decisions with a commitment. But I want to invite you guys to uh, question, is this decision really that difficult? I like to practice the art, right? There's that book. I never read it, but the art of not giving a F. And I think we run into the trap of making things and taking things too seriously. And I think Mel and I are such good friends because we can find our own personal balance of like being really serious and committed to the work we're doing and the people we help, but not taking ourselves too seriously. And I think that's when you start much to the chagrin of our wives. Well, (laughs) yeah, that's a, that's another episode, but you know, we laugh at ourselves more than anyone else is willing to. And I think that's important. And so I want to first, this first piece is like, really challenging. Is this really a difficult decision? Is this really, are the stakes really as high? Is it as permanent as it is? Is there, is the the meaning that you put on it really have to be so big? And the last one, and this is, this is a really interesting one. And I know you have one you want to share too, actually, is we tend to also believe there's only two options. Most people are operating from A or B, A or B, but what about option C, which could be A and B? All of the above. What about option D, E, F? And that's one of the favorite things that I love to do with clients is getting them to think outside their own box, possibility generator, by asking a question of, well, what if you did this? What if you do that? Now we have, I had an example of someone who came up to me in an event recently and they said they do this work, it's one-on-one, it's with a device. And so they said they want to scale because they're trading time for dollars. And I said, great, let's scale. And they said, but the only way I could do that is by bringing on a practitioner to work the event because uh, or work with the device because it's a one-on-one thing with the device. So they'd created a paradigm or a view of their a lens of their world, which is keep doing it at an unscalable model by myself, one-on-one, or bring on coaches and practitioners that I could pay and they right. could do it one-on-one. And I said, those are our only two options. <laughs> That's all we've got. And when we started working from possibility, like, all right, how much, how much do you want to be making? Oh, a million dollars? Great. What are all the other ways? You know, this divergent, creative, out-of-the-box thinking. We came up with ideas for like, what about group workshops where they come in and use the device, you know, and, and group coaching programs and bigger events and, you know, even things that don't include the device. All these other options started to come in. And so I also want to challenge you. Is there only A or B as an option? So I think that you're hitting on a, on a point here because I think we tend to 
filter as we're trying to make the decision. And we're filtering through what we know right now. We filter from our current circumstances. We yep. filter from our current skills, our current strengths. Yep. And and if we took more of a children's approach, because, mm. I mean, you talk to a child and everything is possible. And you threw everything out and said, without boundaries, without filtering, without anything, how else could I do this to accomplish this? And and you look at it and say, God, what what more could I come up with? And and see what what that happens. One of my favorite scenes in a movie, Apollo. Since you were talking about space, Apollo thirteen is a yeah. scene when Ed Harris comes in and he dumps a box on the conference room table. He says, mm. "This is all they got up yeah. there." Yeah, oh, so good. And not on my watch. They're not going to die. Mm-hmm. So you all need to figure out how to use this to bring them back home safely. My favorite. My favorite TED Talk, which then I went and found all his other stuff, is by a gentleman by the name of Sir Ken Robinson. Yes. Oh, my oh, gosh. Amazing. We'll have to link those up. And the first one I saw was it's called RSA Animate, Changing Education Paradigms. And he tells the story of yeah. like, you give a little kid a paperclip and you say, how many uses for this paperclip? And they come up with a million. They're like, well, first of all, how big does the paperclip? Could it be the size of the planet? You know, like, is it made out of foam rubber, right? And they're so open and out of the box. And then we just create these limitations as we get older. And then then they ask someone in high school and they're like, to put papers together, you know, and or poke your friends with it, like two. Let's go back to that a little bit more. And we've come up with so many creative solutions to the biggest problems in our business. They really do become opportunities because they force you to think differently. And I just think that's so critically important. Now, one last one we're going to go through, and this is something you want to talk about, is the distinction between complex and difficult. Yeah, this one, I I think a lot of us will get confused with what's complex and what's difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in the... In to me, a complex decision is actually a bunch of decisions being put together and thinking that it's one, and yeah. and that makes it really challenging to make the decision because it's it's a domino effect of decisions. When we talk about difficulty, a lot of times I think it's the emotional attachment we have to the meaning, yeah. the emotional attachment we have to the outcome, or the possible failure of that outcome. The difficulty comes from the emotion we attach to it. The complexity comes from the tactics that need to go into making it happen. Right. It's it's the difference between, you know, someone gets all caught up with how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? They go into overwhelm quickly and mm-hmm. it's what they're doing is they're putting too many decisions in one place and all of a sudden the complexity is way high. Well, and then you have to really look at that idea if we've still held on to that meaning and we have that emotion as a result of it, what what happens when we make big decisions out of fear? Huge. What happens when you make big decisions while focusing on failure, you know, you get what you focus on. It's like that metaphor Tony Robbins uses when you're like in the race car on, oh, the, yeah. on the track. It's like, if you spin out of control, you go where you focus your head, yeah. you focus on that wall, you're going to hit the wall. Hell yeah. And that's, you know, that's uh, what happens. So it's a challenge and an opportunity to really question, is this as big of a deal? That's kind of like where we're yeah. starting here. And I want to give you guys great examples of things that I've seen and myself included. People make a big deal about it. And the first one was a store. I, I'll just never forget this. I was in Starbucks working years ago. And uh, I remember two people, I was just people watching, pretending I was listening to music, but you know, my headphones were on no music and they were bickering for an hour over the titles they were going to give each other on their business cards for their new business they had started. And they really thought this was a big deal. Like this is a big, no, 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 no. Because it's, it's C CFO. So chief fun officer. Yeah. It was like, okay, 
just drop the ego. Like none of that matters. First, it, do people even carry business cards? I know. <laughs> I did get asked for a business card recently and I had to explain why I don't carry them. I was like, that would assume I want you to talk to me. <laughs> I want you to call me on the phone day or night, 24 seven. And I don't, uh, we don't even have like a business line here or I don't, not at this office at least. Anyway. So that was like a first, like, wow, that's a great example of like selling doesn't matter. So a lot of people asking questions like choosing the right logo. Yeah. Colors logo. Yeah. Like, which one, like I've seen a lot of this of like, which is the best one? And there's like practically indistinguishable. And it's like, oh no, see, there's little, uh, little tail here on the end of this one. It's like, I don't think that's going to be a big, difficult decision right there. And people don't buy based off the, the logo. Even other things that you might think are a big decision, like choosing a launch style. Yeah. So for me, and this is one of the gifts you've given me, uh, aside from the friendship and everything. Because oh, stop it. I know. I know. <laughs> it stops there. Um, it stops right there. <laughs> but but just the lesson of having that, the mindset of a scientist to, yeah. to hypothesize something and be willing to test right. it and not be so, it actually has to, this is everything yeah. and, and, and this is the only way. And, and so- a lot of times when we have a conversation, we come up with something, your attitude is, I don't know, let's test it. Right. Let's just give it a and, shot. And that is such a, people hate that answer, you know, because they're like, but just tell me the right thing. And it's, a lot of it's too, is this driven, like, I don't want to make a mistake. And uh, just like how making difficult decisions in your business is unavoidable and inevitable, mm-hmm. and making mistakes is as well. And you, we get to learn from these mistakes, right? Pain uh, means pay attention. Yep. So like when you're like, oh crap, something's not working, <laughs> that's like, pay attention. There's a lesson for you to learn. Pain is, is a blessing in that sense. Problems are a good thing in that sense. But that goes back to that idea of thinking there is a right and a wrong one and you're supposed to guess. Business isn't about guessing and the most successful business owners are the ones that guess the most right. It's those that had the most patience and persistence who are willing to be resilient enough to try again. And obviously there's that cliche Edison example that right. people say a million different ways of that he, you know, he didn't fail 700 times. He found 700 ways the light bulb didn't work. And it's, you know, it becomes cliche for a reason because there's a lot of truth in that adopting that identity and ways of being, of being the experimenter. It's the same. It's cliche also about, you know, when you first try to, to walk. Yeah. I mean, it's like, right. all right, first few times you fall over and you're not going to walk. I mean, it's like, all right, we, we don't give up. We keep going yeah. and we learn and we learn how to balance. We learn, you know, or or maybe a, later in life you get hurt and now you can't walk the same and you've got to adjust your stride. Mm-hmm. I mean, we learn to adapt and, and start to do things differently, but that's trial and error. That's what we're here to do. We're we're creatures that, that can grow and be flexible. And, and I think that you're right. If we can take a more flexible view to test things and not yeah. not just rest my whole existence on on the outcome. Completely. And I've seen people uh, change a launch style or oh, should I do a webinar or should I do it like this? And, you know, it's different for, for everybody. But so many times I've seen that it's like, look, I've seen people be successful with every different style and a lot of it's more like, what is the style you want? And that yep. becomes the last question people are asking. They're making the decision like, what's the best one, right? The, the, I think these are some of the worst questions we could be asking. What's the best way to blah, blah, blah? What's the right way to blah, blah, blah? Because those are really 
broad in general. It's like best according to whom? Right measured by what? What are we measuring it? Because best strategy to me might be the worst strategy for you. Is this based on your values? Is it based on your your strengths? Is it based on your audience? Is it based on how much time it takes? Is it based on conversion rates? It's so many other factors. What does that mean? Best for whom? You know? And so those those broad general questions will get you into a lot of trouble because when you have someone who's like, oh, I've done this type of launch, I've done this way, I've done funnels, I've done this, I've done this, I've done automate, and people get overwhelmed by that. It's like, because for every style that's out there, there is somebody that says, this is the best one. Oh, absolutely. Right? You ask that question, you're going to get every answer. Yeah. And it depends on who you ask. Ask. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you go to go to a, a woodworker, they're going to give you a solution made out of wood. You go to a metal worker, they're going to mm-hmm. give you a solution made out of metal. And that's what they know. Yeah. And I, I think that you're right on on point with, with this, whole, this whole concept. We, mm-hmm. There's so many different ways that we can skin the cat. There's so many different ways to be flexible, to, to try different things. And I've watched you do it, you know, and you say, I don't know if it's going to work. And you'll <laughs> invest time. You'll invest. I mean, with the first time you did Netflix style launch. Yeah. And we'll get into some of the decisions we had to make yeah. there that were tough decisions, but it was definitely zigging when everyone was zagging. And let me go, let me give a few examples. I don't know if you have any that I just feel like are not a big decision that people make a big decision. What time should I do my webinar? What day of the week should yeah. I launch this? Those things rarely matter without beyond logic. If your audience works nine to five, probably pretty logical to not do the webinar while they are at work because then you're ten, you know, like right. logical reasons, but like necessarily like, oh, Wednesdays are better than Thursday. No, don't do Wednesday. You know, like a, even even decisions like, can I do a launch or do a promotion during the holidays? Oh, no. You know, those type of decisions like we've done launches that ended, you know, less than 10 days before Christmas, which is a very busy, busy time of year. I know people that do launches over New Year's. And so we tend to make these big things out of nothing. Even ones of like, should I do a podcast or should I do video? What's the right one for me? And it's like, what if you just did what you wanted to do? You know, what if you just chose the one that you really wanted to do? Which I think that that hits back to what you you mentioned earlier in the podcast of us getting clear on what's important to us. Mm-hmm. Us getting clear on on what our our values are or what's meaningful to me or what fits in my lifestyle, what fits in my strengths and then start making the choices, the decisions based on that. I mean, we did it with my last launch, which was I've done video launches, I've done webinar mm-hmm. launches, and all of them were were good, they were great. But I wanted, we wanted to recreate a lot more of a live experience. So this last launch, we did a live launch and it was off the charts fun. It was yeah. one of my best launches out there. And we made decisions throughout. We, in fact, pivoted on Thursday afternoon before card open and, and delayed the card open. We made decisions. We didn't know what it was going to do, but mm-hmm. we just made them in the moment. But we made them based on what we felt and what was right for us. And in fact, that live launch wasn't the way you told me to structure it. I actually did three videos, three lives, three days in a row instead of spacing them out. Yeah. And it still worked. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Like things like that probably wouldn't have made no. a big difference. And what we're getting at here is that I want to move into this idea of how I'm actually making decisions. And there's a few things that that I do that I think are important noting. The first one is that I feel like a lot of people get stuck in making a decision because they don't kind of know the the why behind why they should do certain things. And the why was always very important to me. And so what that really brings up is something I do today 
and I hope this will make sense to people, is I make decisions based off principles. There are certain principles, philosophical principles, principle like an unwavering truth. There are business principles, there are marketing principles, there are selling principles, there are universal principles. These are all layered together. Money principles. Money principles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, is a principle is like the foundation of an unwavering truth. And so here's an example of a principle, a marketing principle and a selling principle. Sell them what they want, give them what they need. That's a simplified cliche version of a universal marketing principle. It's that will never go out of style, folks. Sorry to say, but one day there will be no Instagram. There will be no faith one day. I don't know when, but it will happen. And so a lot of people are making their decisions based on the facade that was built from the principles. Right. And they only see the store window. They only see the logo. They only see the above the iceberg sugar coating. And what we've always done is gone back to principles. Everything I teach, everything I do is from business marketing principles. And they're timeless. That's what makes them a principle. So when you're going from something timeless, you can't go wrong. So for example, there's a principle around creating a great offer, which is to have scarcity or urgency. And all great offers have them. And then we have so many people that we've seen that no one bought, no one joined, no one signed up and say, when's your deadline? Oh, no, 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 I didn't have a deadline. How many limited spots? Oh, I didn't limit spots. Well, there you go. We didn't deploy a principle, an unwavering, never dying truth. Don't expect to get the results right. that you They want. have to have a reason to buy. Yes. That's, that's the underlying element of that principle. Yes. So that's the first thing. There's four things we're going to talk about that I incorporate into making a decision. The second one is based on vision and values. This is huge. Making the decision based on the vision, which could be the company vision. It can be the vision, intention, or outcome of the project you're working on. Just what's the intention? What's the desired outcome? And making it in alignment for that What's the focus? What's the intention? You know, if you're doing a project, what's the focus of this? What's the point? And making the decision for that. And we can give examples in a moment when we get into the specifics. And also values. Uh, one of our values is being in integrity, lives in integrity. And that means being your word. And so there are times when people on our team have to make a decision in alignment with being in integrity. Hey, I need to speak up about something. Hey, I didn't do this. I need to communicate it. They're making decisions in alignment with our values. And then the last one, which is the the biggie, which is making decision. Oh, no, it's not the last one. I got two more. I did these out of order. Making the decision from the identity of the individual that has fulfilled on the vision you have. What, 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 what? Basically, when you're clear on the vision, you're clear on the outcome, which I always talk about. And we, we get a sense a lot of people like, yeah, yeah, vision, I don't, that stuff's not important to me. It's that stuff that is far more important. That's a business principle right there. But when you're clear on the vision, you're clear on the outcome. It's who is the type of person that would have that type of result? So I always love that phrase, though, the question of what would Jesus do? 
I think that's yeah. one of the most powerful questions on the planet. You can have somebody who's having a bad day in a conflict or making a tough decision in their life and go, what would Jesus do? And they know the answer immediately and they operate from love or gratitude or compassion and they make the right decision. And I just always thought that was beautiful. I remember like friends growing up with the bracelets and all that. And I just always respected that whether I, you know, I was, you know, Christian or going to church with them or not. Sometimes I was, sometimes I wasn't. I just like, I think that is such a beautiful way to live because you know, so much of our decisions, our habits, our thinking is on autopilot. We're just this like robot sleep, you know, thing. Just like unconsciously making decisions. And when you can stop, pause and make a decision that's outside of who you currently are up until this point, because we are really the result of all of our decisions, right? We are the sum result of all those choices, all those decisions to say, well, what would a seven figure digital CEO do here? How would a $10 million a year company act and operate? And I've talked about this so many times, and it is the number one thing that I would attribute to the growth that we've had is that we had to think differently. We had to say, how would a $10 million a year business do this? Right. You know, to me, to me, just if everyone, everyone listening to this would just imagine for a moment to take the time to give themselves the gift and the space Mm. to think differently, to start to ask ourselves, am I coming at this decision from my higher self? Am I coming at this decision from the identity of what I aspire to be? And would that decision be different? Because that will change things dramatically. And the good news is, is if you feel like you've been making a string of wrong decisions, here's what you do with this next decision. You say, well, what's the answer? What would I normally do here? And then do the opposite. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which brings us to my last one here on how to make a decision. And I cannot stress enough how much I use intuition. And I think more people than we tend to realize, even when they they don't realize themselves, use intuition in their business. And right now we're doing a round of hiring. We had an open house party. Mel was there and we had about 11 different people come in within the course of two hours. And there was a few people that I didn't get to talk to very much as we mingled and chit-chatted all the small talk stuff I love doing. And there was one or two people. The introvert in you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I sat in the corner with Mel (laughs) half the night just observing, watching, people watching, looking at behavior, noticing what people would say, watching them closer than they realize. I'm looking at body language. I'm looking at just little things that just say so much volume. And uh, maybe some of them will hear this and be like, "Uh uh-oh. But there were a few people that when I shook their hand or when we connected, I just got an amazing feeling. And I have learned over the years, left brain, logical, INTJ here, to pay attention to that feeling, to honor that very quiet nudge, that voice, that inner knowing. It's so quiet. What's really loud is that that other voice that's in our head. That's suppressing it. That's suppressing it. That's saying this is stupid. It's not logical, right? I just would like shake someone's hand and I'm like, whoa. And then we did a debrief with the rest of the team and they would say the same thing. They'd say, I loved this person. Oh my gosh, blah, 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 blah. And it's like starting to confirm the intuition. And, you know, we've had episodes on the past on intuition. So we're not going to turn this into it. I was just here to let you guys know, but it's a muscle. And, and you've got to, you got to start working it out by doing this, take something you're going to make a decision on that is the, there aren't high stakes on. And you just say, what is my gut telling me? What is my intuition telling me? And then your logical brain will say, well, I don't know. 
And then you just say, well, okay, I know I it's, don't. It's that chatter. Exactly. What's going on. Yeah. And so you go, okay, I know, I get it. I don't know. But if I did know, what, what, what would it feel like? Right. What would the right answer feel like? And maybe you'll get a nudge and it'll feel like you're guessing. It'll feel, ah, I just made that up. And you go, well, let's see if I did. And you go with it. And you experiment. You see what happens. Was I right? And I'm going to give you an example. This was powerful. This is years ago. We made a decision to promote something and it just turned out awful. And I remember talking to a friend, like a more very like spiritual woo-woo friend. And I was really beating myself up. And I said something. I go, I knew I shouldn't have done this. And she goes, isn't that just more proof of how accurate your intuition is? I'm like, I had never realized it. I was like, oh yeah, I just didn't listen to that feeling that there had been a feeling. And then you go back and you realize this, the writing was on the wall and I yeah. just wasn't listening. There's a book that has nothing to do with business by a guy by the name of Gavin DeBecker called Gift of Fear. And it's about, it's about the psychology of violence and a young lady who came in to him for therapy who had been attacked and said, I didn't see this coming. And the whole book is about, about this, this concept of intuition and that the body knew and that mm. as he unpacked wow. it, she had suppressed all the signs, all the things that went on. She, she was safe and everything, but, but it's an amazing book around listening to, because if we think about the intuition, great, the brain is a powerful thing, but it can be also powerful in the sense that it suppresses what's really going on. The intuition is the nervous system of the whole body that sees things that we can't consciously see. And, and, and this is a left brain accountant talking. Oh, no, no, no. There's like stats, stats of studies like Joe Dispenda says like 2.3 million bits per second of information you're, you're receiving. And we can only consciously interpret like a hundred of it, you know, 128 bits per second. And it's all getting processed, but most of society Mm -hmm. suppresses it. And yet, from an awareness standpoint, when we are able to become aware of that, our ability to make decisions about people, about situations, whatever it is, we may not be able to explain it and articulate it, but it moves us in the direction that we mm. should be moving in. So good. So I use intuition. I've used, I use, I've used intuition for years in my business and I, I'm trying to think of a time when I was like, I followed my heart, I followed my gut, and that was the biggest mistake. And I just, I can't. It's the times when I said, oh, I knew I shouldn't have, or I knew it should have been this, that I was like, oh, that was me not listening to my gut. And to have fun and play with that. So making decisions from principles, from vision values, from who you are committed to being, and letting your intuition guide you are four tools and ways that I think can help anybody. But there's one last piece we want to talk about here. And this is to really debunk once and for all this idea, this myth, this belief that there is this right or wrong decision. And this is about the importance of commitment. And what I've learned is when I trust my intuition, I'm also trusting that I've made the right decision. There is no wavering. There is no hesitating. And by committing to the decision, I end up making it right. 
In other words, if you're like, should I do a podcast or should I do a video, do YouTube videos to reach more people? And you end up saying, I'll do a podcast. But the whole time you do a podcast, you're like, oh, I knew I should have done video. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't really, you know, I won't invest in the right software. And I'm not really going to go all in with this because I should have done a video. Then you haven't truly committed and backed the decision with 100% faith, commitment, and responsibility in order to make it the right one. And I tell people like, I'll choose the wrong decision and make it right because I'll back it 100%. And I know you shared something that like really... Yeah. This was this was a story I heard about General Schwarzkopf. Before he was a general, he was he was an underling working for a general. And, and this general was in an important meeting about a war. And there was a decision that had been sitting on the table for a decade about how wow. the army was going to operate and the things they were going to do. It was going to dramatically affect the structure of the army. And he grabbed all the files. There was tons of files there. They go into the meetings and then uh, Norman Schwarzkopf was sitting there and the general stands up. He said, look, here's what we need to do. We're going to go with option B. That's the right decision. And Schwarzkopf says that he, he was he was freaking out going, there's no way that the general went through all the documents, understood the technology or the tech, the technical aspects of it. How did he make that decision? And And so they went back to his office and he said, he asked him, he says, you know, how could you make that decision? How do you know that that's the right decision? He says, it's a decision that no one was willing to make for the last decade and, and that the best minds were sitting in this room unwilling to make a decision. And the fact is that decisions have power. Mm. Yes. And I'm a leader and I'm going to make the decision. He says, and then Schwarzkopf looks at him and says, and what if you're wrong? And the general looks back at him and says, well, if I'm wrong, we'll find out quicker. Mm. And if I'm right, then the job is done. Yeah. Which is the power that any decision is better than no decision because no decision is a decision to yes. do nothing. And Absolutely. it's in nothing that it really becomes the biggest self-fulfilling prophecy because we're afraid we're going to make a mistake. We're afraid we're going to do it wrong. But what if the biggest mistake is doing nothing at all? And to not forget that, that not making any decision is a decision. And to me, the reality is that we make a decision not for the finality of it, but simply to put a dot on a line mm -hmm. that we're creating. And then we make a decision to get better information so we make a better decision the next go around. And as we make a series of decisions, that sets a, a trajectory, that sets a line, that sets a direction. It's what we do in marketing. Yeah, We put an ad out. We made a decision. We changed the copy. We look at the data point. We make a change. We look at the data point. We make a change. And over time, all of a sudden, you've got a campaign that is just blowing the doors off. But mm -hmm. it's because we made a series of decisions at, over time based on the information we got back from the first decision. Right. And you can't get a lot of data when there's no decision no. and no action. So I hope this has been valuable and I and I hope now that when we share a few specific examples and the thinking that went into the decision making process it'll offer more context and more clarity and maybe some like examples that you can relate to but again like I said what inspired this episode is that we've had to make some tough decisions yeah. quote unquote tough decisions one of which was uh with our recent venue for our event where the rates that we were quoted at and what was in our budget versus the bill when it arrived was very different. And when I say very different, I'm talking about a $200,000 
difference. That's a big discrepancy right there, it's right? It's not a rounding error. And no, it's not. It's not. Unless they just put a decimal point <laughs> in the wrong place. And so we had to make some difficult decisions because we had to start saying no to some things. And it actually got really easy really fast with what we said no to because we answered the questions of what do we say yes, what do we say no to in right. terms of what's on the bill, what do we pay for, what do we nix. When it said, is this going to improve the experience for the attendees? And that's an example of making a decision based off the vision or the intention or the outcome. And if the intention is to have an amazing experience for your attendees, and then you get really clear, well, what does an amazing experience mean? Like, well, they're learning a ton, they're providing value, they're getting breakthroughs in their business. There were certain things that were like, these are the things that people, I mean, I've been to a ton of events and I'm like, these are the things that no one will remember. And I'm going to give you a specific and maybe someone will argue with me, but it's not, again, it's, you could art, you could make an argument, but there is no right or wrong. There's just what we believe is what's for our aligned with our intentions and what's not. So here we are with our intentions to have this amazing experience breakthrough, like biggest growth right. facilitated in three days. And they did this thing where we had this idea to have custom cocktails at the cocktail party and the custom cocktails had really cool names like the breakthrough elixir and stuff like, you know, like cool fun names like that. But they decided to add $15 per attendee for having these cocktails. 600 people, that adds up. Now we're still having, you know, booze at the cocktail party, but it's an additional $15 per attendee on for, top of the for the name for to have yeah exactly which is like wait a second it's just a different mixed drink that's like pre-made and yeah. we're like and it was like even though that's kind of a not a difficult decision to make at the end of the day it was will this be something that facilitates the type of breakthroughs we want is it well there's still alcohol so people can still have a good time and it's like it becomes a clear no and that's a great example of how this becomes a very simple no-brainer decision at that point, you know. So we have tons of these examples. First, one of the biggest decisions, I actually talk about this one from stage, and Mel knows about this. The first time we decided to do a BBD Live was actually the beta members of Business by Design. And I like this because of why you made the decision. Yes. Okay, so this is this is a really good one. So we invited our beta members to the first workshop. It wasn't even called BBD, wasn't even called BBD Live yet. And I had 40 people flying from all over the world, 40 people. And we were gonna do it at our clubhouse in the community that where both Mel and I live. And because it's like $500 for the day, and then we had a personal chef to make food. So I'd kept my costs really low. Again, guys, this was a beta program. We had just launched it at like a fraction of the prize to a small group of people. And I wasn't about to go spend hundreds of thousands or even- And it was a fulfillment event. It was just a fulfillment event. Yeah. It was a bonus. I didn't yeah. even promise. I said, hey guys, are you interested in coming to a- yeah. Are you kidding? Yes. I go, okay, well, this is kind of extra. So let me just do this little thing. The day before, it was actually like the afternoon before the event, I go to pick up the keys because it's just like a clubhouse. You just, they just give you the keys and you go show up there. And they tell me, oh, by the way, Mr. Wedmore, for day two, we actually overbooked. We're going to have another client in the same venue. So you guys are just going to do the second day out on the main lawn. <laughs> What baffled me was the level of like just nonchalant, like matter of factness that they had about. It. We're like, 
no, 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 no. We, <laughs> we, we bucked this. Like I have 40 people from all over the world coming in. They're like, oh, I understand that. But we'd already booked somebody else. Um, and there was just a booking communication error. So um, you're just going to go out on the lawn. I'm like, it's middle of August. Yeah. Not going to work. Yeah. Like we're not going to sit outdoors for six, eight hours. Like in the sun like what are you thinking and she's like i'm sorry this i was livid i've like never been more angry in my life took about three steps and i said i gotta do something about this i called up the first hotel i knew which was the surf and sand hotel in laguna beach and it was the closest venue that had a venue space closest hotel it had a venue and they said yeah we can do this on short notice it's fourteen thousand dollars ouch and i had a decision to make Mm -hmm. do i do this half-ass event, which again, it wasn't promised. That's a really important for the story. Yeah. It's like, there was no event promised. It was, we finished the beta and I was like, guys, you want to hang out? You want to just like, and first it was like, come to my office. And then so many, everyone wanted to go. So it was like, my office is too small for this. We got to find a, hey, we got a clubhouse. Come to the clubhouse, right? It was this non-essential fun hangout space. It was like a meetup. And people have, are coming in. People are already, I'm seeing them on in the Facebook group, boarding my plane from Norway, Australia. And you're, you're like, oh my goodness. And it's 14,000 bucks now to do this event. I mean, we're losing money. Right. It's all, it's all been lost. And I could have made the decision based on cost, current circumstance, or based on the future of what I wanted to create. And that's what I had to ask. And the first question was, what do these people deserve? You know, they don't deserve to sit out in the sun. They're flying from all over the world. And I don't want them to have that experience. So I wasn't going to do that. And I also couldn't afford to spend a day searching. So I kind of had to bite the bullet. And I said, but if I look at where I want to go and what could be possible from this first event, I can see myself doing this. It was a yes. I think that that's the beauty of this whole thing Mm -hmm. is, is that you're three days away or a few days away from one of your largest events ever that is going to be off the charts. And I think that that decision in the clubhouse is what set everything in motion to be here. hundred percent. Yeah. Because when we finished that, which was two days, it was like people gave me this like standing ovation. It was very nice. So it was very unexpected. And I was like, and people were just like sharing all the value and the breakthroughs. I'm like, we got to keep doing this. Yeah. And we did it again and again, and we kept making that decision. And now we're going into our eighth or ninth one. I keep forgetting it's eight or nine, but I was only three years ago. Yeah. It's nuts. Here's another one. And it's again, these are the themes of the same one, actually. One of our masterminds is in this really fun venue that you know, the 741. 741. And it's kind of this outdoor atrium that has like a canopy and it was raining during the event. And it's the attendees are arriving and Josh is like, dude, you got to see this place. And it's just sopping wet. It's covered in water. There's like, they're trying to put buckets everywhere. It's because it never rains in California. It never rains except when people come into a town yeah. for our events. And I had Josh go, give me three options. What were our options? And then we had to make a decision. And again, it's like more cost. We could pay for another venue and just move the event. And uh, it would cost more money. It was like, this is going to be like six, seven grand for a day. And I'm like, it's $7,000 or an entire day with our high level clients. Like, 
having to wear rain jackets. I mean, like it wasn't raining directly on them, but like all around them. And it's like spraying you as it hits the ground, you know, and it's like everywhere's wet. It's slippery. And it's, if you feel like miserable, even when you're protected from the rain. And I was like, it's a no brainer. Right. And these are things that people would call difficult decisions. But when it's like, this is who it's for. This is the intention. This is, this is who, you know, it's about them, they become very simple, very fast. So I wanna give you guys a couple of others. I almost backed out on a decision to, to binge release our eight part video series when we first released it. It's eight episodes all at once. And then I was like, maybe I shouldn't do it all at once. I was afraid that if it was all at once, it wouldn't be right, right? I'd be breaking one of my business marketing principles. Like would people consume it too fast or they get overwhelmed or it wouldn't create anticipation. And Jilly is the one who really fought me on that. And she said, this is what we, we decided to do this. We decided to release it all at once. It's a week away. Let's just stay. And I was like, I found myself like backing out of a decision. And I'm so glad I made the decision yeah. to listen to her because what that decision was really based in was this idea of zigging when everyone was zagging, that there's no principle that you have to release content at a certain spaced out time. Like you want to create an experience over time. And we definitely did that, but it was great. And it was an example of that great one. Choosing office space. Oh yeah. That was a big decision we had to make is there was a $7,500 a month office that was twice the size of what we have now, but also twice the price. 70, I think it was 8,000 a month. The space was awesome. I really loved it. And we chose against it. And how I made that decision was I asked myself the question, that's 3,000, 3,500 extra a month that we get to save with an office space that's almost as good. Not as good, right? but almost as good. And I said, what can I do with that $3,500 a month in the business? I'm like, that's another team member we get to bring on. That's more help. That's another awesome member on this team. And I said, so what's more important? A little bit more space, a cooler place that makes you... Or like a good enough place. Like this is the place where I'm very happy with. And we could get somebody else in in the company. It's a no brainer. You know, so we're looking at it as like a cost benefit analysis. Here's some of the hardest decisions to make. Firing people, letting people go. It's tough. And it's it's one of these, it's like when we're really honest with ourselves, it's not tough. It's a tough decision to, to execute on. But so many times in hindsight, and I would talk to so many people this, when they'd let that person go, there's such a sense of relief after like, oh, thank God that was, I knew that was the right decision. It's just, I didn't enjoy doing it. Right. Right. And that's a big difference of between should I or should I right. not? And here's the ultimate litmus test if you need to let somebody go. Think about the person that you're hesitating on. Should I let them go? Should I not? And you want to ask yourself the question, if my biggest competitor stole them away from me, how upset would I be? And if there's a little twinge of relief, they got to go. They got to go. I'm not saying that firing somebody is an easy, fun thing to do, but when we're really honest with ourselves, it usually isn't as difficult of a decision to make in our head. It's just to execute it. It's more on the execution. And another way to look at it, because here's where it becomes difficult, is they're like, I love this person, but performance, 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 performance. And so there's a lot of great people out there, people you'd be friends with, you'd hang out with, you'd share a drink with. But you are in service to your business and your vision. And so the other question to be asking is, is this 
in service of the bit in the vision. Is this what the business needs? Are they helping the business or hurting it? And when it comes to things like that, I'm telling you that question I have asked so many times and makes so many business decisions so easy. What is it that the business needs? Is this in for the best interest of the business, for the company, for the future, for our goals, for our vision? And holy cow, that makes things so easy. I think I think that that's why, and, and I know some people will brush over it. Oh, this is going to be another values exercise. But I think that's the, that's the, the power mm-hmm. of getting really, really, really clear of what your business values are, what your personal values are, what that vision is. Because when you're clear on that, that becomes the the metric in which you evaluate things. Is it in alignment Mm -hmm. with that, with the values, with the vision, with the mission, with the intention? And if if not, the decision, the execution is a whole nother game. It may be hard. Yes. But the decision, we know what the decision is. And, you know, listen, my dad, he passed away in 2010. Amazing. But my dad was an immigrant. Right? He was a Jew born in Baghdad. They were, uh, I wasn't even going to tell this story, but Jew born in Baghdad. My my actual family name is not Abraham. It's Muradich. It's a Murdoch, basically. And my oh. dad was in the underground movement, him and four other guys. And they were smuggling the Jews out of Baghdad back then. And we're talking back in the, in the 40s. And he was 17 years old. And two of them got caught. And they were being tortured to get the names of the other mm. three so they could get the other, all five of them, hanged them in the square. And my dad was one of them. Took his father's, his, his father's, my granddad's name, Abraham, changed the papers. All of them changed the papers, helped, helped the other two escape. And they got out of, out of Baghdad themselves. My dad came to the US. That's how I ended up here. But four days before he passed away, I asked him about this. And I asked him, you know, you were 17 years old. And he was in a rehab home at the time. He was sitting in a wheelchair. And I said, you're 17 years old. You knew. I know at at 17 years old, the last thing I'm thinking of doing is smuggling people out of a country or smuggling guns in or doing anything like that. I'm thinking about other things. I said, you knew if they caught you, they would make an example of you in the square. Why would you do it? And more powerful than I've ever seen him, four days before he passed, he looked at me, he says, because it was the right thing Mm. to do. And I think when you have that grasp of your values, of your vision, of your intent, the decisions are yeah. much easier. The execution may be a whole nother game. Absolutely. And that when it goes to firing is like, if we're being honest with yourself, are you hesitating on the decision to let somebody go because you're weighing in on the execution of it? In other words, if, if that's you right now, you're like, I can't decide. What if I fired the person for you? What if I did the, did all the dirty work? And what if I got them another job? Yeah. Would it now be an easy decision? What if you knew they had another out. job and they would be happier, right? Wow, it kind of puts it in a different light. But I love this. And this is such a perfect place to end it with this story. So thank you. But this idea of the right thing to do. And at the end of the day, we don't always know what the right thing to do is. But we always know when we're in alignment Mm -hmm. with what's important to us and what's right in terms of what aligns with our values and our goals. And at the end of the day, I hope I've given you some examples that, and this is what's really come up for me and just you sharing that story in that the examples I've given are examples of more longer term decisions or basically decisions based off of the bigger picture in the longer term. And it just hit me like a light bulb that 
have talked about this on the past. We've talked about this. A lot of people that come and go. Yeah. You know, come and go. And I've, you know, very humble and very grateful to have been doing this for a long time. And, you know, 12 years in internet years is a long time. <laughs> and I believe, especially in hearing you saying this, is because I tend to not make decisions for the short term. No. And I'm going to give one last example of that with our mastermind. Uh, last year, we barely promoted, right? We said no to over 40 people that wanted to pay us $30,000 a year. And I could have brought in more spots. I could have said yes to more people. And the CEO in you that wants it yeah. responsible for more revenue, growth of the company wants to say yes to that. But the person who is more of the visionary, who sees the bigger picture, even just 12 months out, it's an easy no when someone's not a right fit or not a right fit. So are you sacrificing the longer term of where you want to be a year, two, three, four years down the road for short-term gain. And we're always making decisions for the longer term and the bigger picture. And I think that's an important piece to put into your decision-making process. Yeah. To know what your own right thing to do is. And it's not based on what's the right way to do a launch. What's the right, what's the right price point? What's the, that's not the type of right decisions we're talking about. In your example, it's, the thing that you know is your true north. Exactly. You know, and that's why all those other decisions are insignificant. What's the right launch, best launch, best time to do it, best days of the week and all that type of stuff. Those decisions have to be made, but those aren't the real difficult ones. No. The ones that become the real difficult ones are when we are tested on our own morality, our own integrity and our own true north. Those are the ones when you'll know You'll know from your intuition, you'll know based on your own values, what the right decision is. And when you make the decision, it feels good. Yes. Yes. So thank you, Mel, for joining me. What a great decision for you to, yep. to join. Yeah, it was a hard decision. It was a difficult decision, <laughs> wasn't it? And uh, I'm sure it was also not a big difficult decision for you to keep listening for this entire episode. So thank you so much for tuning in, for hanging out with us. That's it. That's all we have for you today in this episode. Make sure to check out Mel, your website, your Instagrams. MelAbraham.com is the website. MelAbraham9 is my Instagrams. I guess it was eight before they perfected me. One, one through eight were, were taken. <laughs> <laughs> He's the ninth. This is his ninth life. That, yeah, make sure to follow him over on the Instagram. Reach out to him and thank him for contributing to this episode. Anything specifically that he shared here today with you. And we'll see you all next time on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Take care. Did you know 8 out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.